Um, turn in your Bibles to Genesis 5, and if I could have an usher grab me a water. I don't usually ask that. I apologize, but I'm feeling extra hoarse, and I meant to grab it right after worship, and I didn't. Genesis 5. I actually don't have a flannel board with me, but just pretend there's one. How many of you guys went all the way back to Sunday school? Come on, 1983. I see that hand. And you got a flannel board. You got the little paper dude, and he's like falling off. And remember, like, Father Abraham, there's like, Father Abraham was amazing. He had all these cattle, like, Poo, and he fell. And like, oh, you got to fix Father Abraham. Well, we are doing uh, four weeks called Flannel Board, stories that you may have heard wrong. And um, we're just excited to go into Scripture today. And you got your Bibles? Everybody, if you got your Bibles, say, got it? I got it. All right, Genesis chapter 5. We're not going to read... All of this, obviously, we're going to do what we always do, kind of summarize some passages, read some passages for the sake of time. Otherwise, we'll be here till 3 p.m. But here we go. After Adam and Eve's sin, we're going to zoom out real quick. Destruction was multiplying, making bad worse. That's the best way I can summarize this first few paragraphs. Generations after the creation of Adam and Eve, people continued to sin and reject him and his ways. However, some people did choose to serve God. So we're going to look at Scripture first, and then we're going to talk about it, okay? So in Genesis 5, we see that there was a few people who did choose to serve God, but most of them were making bad decisions. Everybody say bad decisions. All right, so sin was spreading like gangrene. Genesis paints a picture of mankind ruining itself. Men kept becoming more and more selfish, more and more violent, and sin was just spreading. God regrets creating man. I know some of you, maybe you haven't read this story and you're like, wow, that's shocking. Well, it's right there, Genesis 5, verse 6. He literally says, I regret that I made man. But know that the New Testament makes it clear that even this was part of God's plan. So stop and think about this. Rampant sin had separated them, humans, from their loving creator God. Sin is what happened when created men thought they knew better than creator God. And this is still the case today. Let me say that again. Sin separates you from the loving God that you belong to. Paul said it like this. Though before we were alienated from God. I remember one time I was preaching on that. And alienated means two things that belong together that are now separated. You know you belong to Father God. You belong to Creator God. And so God knew that the, the human race, that the, the people belonged to him, but they had allowed sin to separate them, right? So let's go back a few hundred years. Let's go back a few hundred years to Adam and Eve. Because before we tell the rest of the story of Noah, I want to talk about how this happened real quick. There's this tree of life. There's two trees, actually. Tree of life in the Garden of Eden. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I'm rereading all this this last month. And it's interesting that they were told not to eat from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They had been given free will, for free will has to exist for love to take place. Free will has to exist for love to take place. If I were to say, Randy, I love you, but I'm going to put you in this cage. You'd say, I'm not feeling the love. Would you be feeling the love? Right? He couldn't love me in return if I didn't, if there wasn't free will involved. So everybody says with me, love requires free will. 
All right, so knowing that Adam and Eve were given free will, only given one tree not to eat from. Everybody heard that line? You had one job. <laughs> I, I always like to picture that. It's like you have all these beautiful trees. They, they chose the one tree. Now, notice there's this other tree where it says, well, there's a tree of, of life. And God actually said if they eat from that tree, they will live forever in this fallen state. This is why he cast them out of the garden. He puts an angel there with a flaming sword. Somebody say, that's intense. Okay, so that indicates something that we're going to come back to throughout this sermon, that God takes sin seriously. All right? So like all temptation, there was a bit of truth in it. Satan tells them, you will be like God. You will know good and evil. Now, did they come to know what evil was? Yeah, so like all temptation, there's a little bit of truth in it. But what Satan implied to them was that they would achieve God-like status was not true. Right? So much so that God put angels in flaming swords at the entrance. What am I saying? God takes sin very seriously. So let's zoom forward. Let's zoom forward back to our moment with Noah. Generations later, Noah has seen by God as the only righteous person, and the world had become so dark and so sinful and so destructive. It was so sinful. It was so sinful. Now, I was actually tempted to leave this part out, but I don't want to leave anything out. Come on. So turn to your neighbor and say, it's about to get real. I have had people ask me about the Nephilim, and I have literally said, yeah, I'm never going to preach on that. Like, what, what, what are you going to say about this? This is a fallen state. The, the sons of God, now most, most theologians believe these were angels, daughters, that they saw that the daughters of man were attractive. This is verse 2. And they took them as wives, any that they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not abide in man forever, for he is flesh, and his days shall be 120 years. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and were also afterward. Those, when the sons of God came into the sons of man, they bore children to them. These were the mighty men who were of old, the men of renown. The Lord saw the wickedness of man was great. Do you see that? The wickedness of man was great. So there's all this wickedness. There's these superhumans being created. And you say, well, I don't, that sounds like crazy. It's right there in the Bible. In fact, if you, if you have ever, I don't know if you've heard this, that a lot of people groups, a lot of um, peoples, if you will, will have like these large humans on the cave walls leading all the smaller ones. I don't know if you've ever seen that, but that's in a lot. Uh, you see that in the History Channel quite a bit. It's interesting. And I'm like, oh, Nephilim. Anyway, the Lord said, I will blot out man from whom I've created from the face of man, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry I've made them. But Noah found favor. Everybody say, but Noah. So you may think that's crazy and that it's bizarre, and it is bizarre, but it's in the Bible, and what we can't ignore what's there. This is one of the reasons God had to wipe out mankind because sin had spread so rampantly and it was not what he had uh, wanted, right? Because God wants union with us, and I want you to hear this. God is sinless. Everybody say this with me. God is sinless. God is sinless, and when men kept sinning and perpetuating wickedness and violence... It was this problem. Why? God takes sin very seriously. It separates us from him for he is pure and holy. God found Noah to be righteous and savable. If we were to summarize verse 10 through 18. 
So finally, good news in this story. Now, Noah is the grandson of Methuselah, the oldest man who ever lived. And I actually made a note to myself to get a prize, and I forgot to get it. So I'm just going to give you a used water bottle. No, I'm not going to do that. I will, I will, I will find something. I, I got a prize after church. I got some prizes in my office. I do have Snickers in there, actually. Come on. Why wait? Why wait? Okay. If anybody can shout out the name of Methuselah, the oldest man. I mean, not the name, the, uh, how old he was. Not, not, not the name, not the name. Does anybody know? Come on, I'm going to youth group days. Ding, ding, ding. Come on, winter chicken dinner. Give him a hand. Dude, you look like Methuselah. You got the, you got the man gun, the man gun, the man bun, the awesome beard. Dude, beard of glory right there. It's awesome. If we ever do a video, you know, on Noah, you're in it. You're in it. You're actually going to play Noah and Methuselah. We're just going to put a different coat on. All right. So I got some Snickers in my office for you. All right. So God has this rescue plan. So God commands Noah to preach repentance. He preaches for 120 years. Now, I don't want you to miss this. Noah and his family go into the ark, and it rains for 40 days and 40 nights. And I want to point this out. God shut the door. Isn't that interesting? It says God shut the door. Because I'm rereading this and I'm asking God, point out things that you want us to receive today. So open your Bibles again, Genesis chapter 7. We've summed up a lot so far, but look at verse 11. Genesis 7 verse 11. On that day, all the foundation, or fountains of the great deep burst forth. Imagine that. Water's coming up from the earth. So it's not just raining. Water comes up from the earth. The windows of heaven were opened. Rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights. On that very same day, Noah and his sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Noah's wife and their three wives of the sons entered the ark. They and every beast according to its kind and all the livestock according to their kinds, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth according to its kind, every bird according to its kind, every winged creature, they went into the ark with Noah. Two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued for 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, raised the ark, and it rose high above the earth. The, ark, the, the waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated. So again, fun fact, there was a burst of water from the earth that burst forth. And you can see this again in chapter 8, verse 2, it references that. So Noah and the family exited the ark and started this new human race. We see this in chapter 8, verse 1 through 20. God established a covenant of grace to never wipe out humanity with a flood again. And how many know he gave you the promise of a rainbow? Isn't that cool? By the way, don't let, don't let the world distort and ruin the promise of God. Right? Because in, in what the world is doing, right, is saying, well, in our pride, we reject who God is. But God, in his grace, that's actually a sign of his grace, that he would never wipe you out. How many realize y'all would be wiped off the earth right now if it wasn't for God's grace? Some of you are like, I know my husband would. I saw some of you do some the nudges there. All right, some big takeaways. Big takeaways. Number one, God is ultimately in charge of this whole thing. God is our, can we all say this together? God is ultimately in charge of this whole thing. I want you to understand that. 
When you read the Bible, you've got to read it for what it says. God can wrap this whole thing up whenever he pleases. And the story of, of Noah puts us in proper perspective as a little itty-bitty human, doesn't it? And that's what reading the Bible, it's one of the things that happens when you read the Bible for what it says. Revelation 6.14 actually says, The heavens rolled up like a scroll and every mountain was leveled. And God's going to make a new heavens and a new earth one day. We're going to come back to that in about 20 minutes. Another scripture from the New Covenant indicates this, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 9. I want you to listen to this. We're talking about the new life that comes through Christ. We're going to connect these things. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please God. Why? We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Because he's going to wrap this whole thing up one day, and we are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So we're told here that we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account, be rewarded according to what we have done. And I'm afraid there are many Christians today who have misunderstood grace. They, they perceive grace or have uh, believed grace to be a license, to do whatever they want, believing falsely, God will just forgive me. Maybe you've ever heard that, or maybe Satan ever maybe whispered that in your ear. Well, God will just forgive you. But guys, that's not what the Bible says. The grace enables us for righteous living. That's a great spot for an amen. Grace not only removes your sin and your punishment, but he empowers you to do the right thing. Right? I want to tell you about a young man. I won't share his name, but I've met with this young man for about three months, and Weekly, and it's been so cool to see how God has been shaping him into the father and into the husband and into the child of God that God wants him to be, into the person that he wants to be. Why? Because God does a new work in us when we trust God and we let him make us new. Amen? The second thing we pull away from the story of Noah is that God takes sin seriously. I know I already said it twice. It's on purpose. In fact, can you all say this with me? God takes sin seriously. You may need to be reminded of this today. Maybe this is why God is having us share this story of Noah. Think about it. If God felt the need to completely start over with Noah and his kids, then that means he really doesn't like it when we sin. Right? When we choose our ways over his. So I want to make some kind of sub-point observations when it comes to sin. So sin is what we do when we think we're smarter than God. Right? If you're taking notes, sin is what we do when we think we're smarter than God. Sin is what we do when we want to have more power over others. Sin is what we do when we put our desires over God's plan. Sin separates us from God because God is sinless. Now, the world, as defined by the Bible, will constantly teach you to push others down to define yourself as good. I mentioned this last week, and I'm noticing a theme that this may be kind of a a theme throughout this month. Is that we all in society, not the church, I mean, all society seems to do this. We try to put ourselves in the good people group. How many of you guys have seen this play out on TV? We're constantly trying 
to put ourselves in the good people group. Corporations do this. I, I saw this last week. An anchor was removed. Uh, I, was, I was about to watch the NBA game with some, some friends from church. And uh, before the game started, one of the announcers talked about how this woman was recorded secretly. And something she said gave off the pretty clear indication that what she says on the air is different than what she actually thinks. You know the world, even the world, will not put up with a lack of integrity. You know that? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Networks in their attempt to appear as part of the good people group, right? I want you to hear this. Will cancel someone's entire career if their member seems to appear not good. What do we call that? Immorality, right? Immoral. But sadly, what's sad, what's crazy about this is those very people don't realize, maybe have not assessed, that if their conversations were recorded. Right? What if your conversations were recorded? Somebody said, oh, no. What if your thoughts were put on a billboard? You see, it's easy to hear a story or to read the Bible and say, well, thank goodness you wiped them out. Right? But no, when you read the Bible, you got to realize you're not in the good people group. I have news for you. You're in the bad people group. You're back here with me. And Tim Neuschler. That was for you. Right? So maybe this is true of you. Maybe you're sitting here or you're watching online and you're feeling kind of convicted because there's, you know there's parts of your life that if recorded, if blasted throughout the air and the internet and put on a billboard, you would be ashamed. Do you know why? That's called sin. That is evidence that you needed and you need saving. Now, I, want, I really wanted to bring this home. So yesterday I was rewriting this sermon and I thought, well, how do people do that? They try to save themselves. Let me tell you how they do it. Society tries to fix sin and put people in the good, good crowd, the good people crowd all the time. They do this through sociology, right, developing, studying the development of humankind, human nature, through art, Right? Through art, if we paint something, if we make something objective, then we can't be honest about our subjective sins. Right? Through sports, if you become famous enough, if you make enough money, if you get that, if you're that perfect quarterback or that perfect uh, point guard, listen, it doesn't really matter what happens in your private life. They're a celebrity, so let's listen to what they say. Right? Through economics, well, see, if you just get ahead, that's the goal in life. Right? So we try to fix society. We say, oh, well, those people over there, it's, well, it's because, you know, it's because they don't have money. Everybody just put your hand on your, on your temple for a minute. Some of us need our thoughts renewed. It's not because they need money. It's because they need Jesus. You see, you try, society tries to fix, tries to fix this sin problem through sociology, through art, through sports, through economics, through politics. Oh, if I had a dollar for every video I was sent. Right? 
Listen, the problem is that all of these solutions, politics, making better laws, which usually are an attempt to make the other opponent look humiliated. Doesn't that sound like what we just talked about? Sin is trying to make others look worse than you so you look better. Isn't that still you fixing you? Right? Everybody put your hand in your heart for a minute. If you're willing to let God speak to you, and by the way, I hope you're willing. Can you just say this with me? Dear Lord, open the eyes of my heart today. Come on, pray this with me. Dear Lord, open the eyes of my heart today. Like David prayed, if there's anything in me, God, if there's any wicked way in me, Lord, reveal it and take it out. Guys, there's a lot of Christians who literally think we're going to take over the world. I get sent these kind of videos all the time. Trump's not going to do it. Flynn's not going to do it. We're going to do it. They're, they're going to start the war and we're going to finish it. Listen, what are you talking about? Jesus, everybody say Jesus, has already won the war. There is no you're going to war and you're going to go wipe them out. That is the stupidest, listen, you guys are going to get me preaching. Jesus is the Savior. If someone says, I'm here to save you, I'm going to fix this on you. I'm going to fix all the problems in the world. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 22? If anybody comes to you and says, oh, there's the Son of, there's, there's the Savior, there's the Messiah. No, he's not. Because when Jesus comes, it happens like that. It happens like that. All of these solutions fall short in helping mankind. All of these solutions fail to deliver a way for you to get out of your sin. Sin leaves us hopeless and hurting. So what's the problem? I am so glad you asked. What's the solution? I'm so glad you asked. Number three, God is patient and rescues us through the mystery of Jesus' cross. Come on. God doesn't say you need another politician with better laws. God doesn't say, well, you need more guns and more glory. <laughs> no, you need to understand that Jesus changes someone from the inside out, and he does it through the mystery of a wooden cross like that one. And it sounded bizarre when Noah said, get in the boat, get in this wooden boat, because a flood's going to come. And they're all like, dude. It hasn't rained in forever. And you might get mocked when you preach Jesus. You might get mocked when you preach Jesus. Let me say it again. You might get made fun of when you tell people about Jesus. Right? So God, this is, this is why you maybe got the story wrong. God is much more patient than you think. You see, I, I thought of this, I, I thought, well, what has people maybe perceived when they hear Noah's story? They might think God has a temper, right? Like, let's just wash them all off. Noah preached for 120 years. Come on, someone, that's a long altar call. By the way, can we stop using Noah's Ark in kids' wing ministries? I was thinking about this. I traveled as a musician for a number of years, and a lot of times I would go into a church and I would see kids' ministry, and I thought I'd have a little fun with this. 
You ever enter a children's ministry and you see it's like Hungry Hippo? Come on. It's like some pleasant ukulele music. The hippo's there with his big chiclet teeth, smile. But what if we were true to text, right? So there's a guest. They come in with their child, and the usher takes them downstairs, and little Johnny says, why are there screaming people drowning and gargling, dying? <laughs> well, son, this is a real, a real reenactment of Noah's Ark. What's that picture, Dad? Why is that giraffe dying? Well, he wasn't one of the two chosen. He's out. And we're also Calvinists, so I hope you're part of the elect. Who's that screaming? Just to slip that joke in there. Oh, son, this is a live enactment of Noah's Ark. Those are people who didn't repent. They're dying a slow, horrible death. Welcome to kids' ministry. What's that smell? Oh, that smell? That's animal poop and human B.O. Get used to it. This class lasts for 40 days and 40 nights. I'll see you in August. All right, that was just for fun. I just thought you'd enjoy that. Some of you are like, I'm offended. We have the book called Bait of Satan on your way out. Just, just right over there. I told someone a great joke the other day. I said, did you read Beta Satan? I said, I couldn't get through the first chapter. I was too offended. And they said, oh. And they completely missed the joke. Completely. I'm like, lady, I had to, say, I had to explain. The, the whole book is about not living in offense. Oh, anyway. Okay. Anyway. But really, people, don't get the story wrong. God is very, very patient. By the way, aren't you glad we don't re do live reenactments? Of that story. Okay. God is very, very patient, waiting for us to choose him. God makes a new human race when Christ enters the life of the lost person. You say, well, that's bizarre. No, that's, that's what happens, though. That's why we say it's we're born again. You're a new person. When you accept this gift of Jesus Christ and the, the mystery of a wooden cross, just like they were saved in a wooden boat, you are saved through a wooden cross. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Everybody say new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God. It is not from you. It is not from a great idea you had. It's not from a great law that comes out of Washington. It's not because of a certain vitamin that has all the mysteries of life in this one pill. No. All this is from God. Everybody say from God. Who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. All right? Therefore, we as ambassadors are making, or God is making his appeal through us. And God is making his appeal right now to you. Some of you right now listening online or listening in person, God is appealing to you to trust in God's ability to miraculously save you. This is where we landed the plane last week, right? That God saves you. You don't save yourself. Samson thought he could save himself. Samson thought he was strong enough, smart enough. But we are not strong enough. We are not smart enough. We are not religious enough. Only God does the saving. How are you so thankful for grace? Right? Trust in God's ability. 
You see, death by definition is separation from God, for God by definition is life. Amen? I want to say that again. Death by definition is separation from God. For God by definition is life. Can everybody just say life? I want to flesh out a couple of these little phrases. Noah, it says he was just and perfect. Not absolutely perfect, that's for sure. Since the fall of Adam, no man had been free from sin except Jesus Christ. But he lived by faith in the same way that Noah trusted in God. By faith, in that same way you, by faith in Jesus Christ, can be found righteous. You, by faith, can be saved. The earth was filled with violence, it says. How many know the earth today is filled with violence? I told somebody, somebody said the other day to me, well, don't you think it seems like society is getting better? No, it's not getting better. It just has better makeup. It has better makeup. You see, listen, 2 um, Chronicles, I was reading this last week in my devotional time, the story of Manasseh. I'm going to go here for just a second. Manasseh, he made some horrible decisions. His dad had served the Lord, but he was this king who made horrible decisions. He, he, he put up um, these really terrible idols. He sacrificed his sons to Moloch, right? And so you might see a society like Noah's day or Manasseh's day, and you say, oh, how, ter- how dark that society must be. Friend, 60 million babies have been aborted. Just because the same offering of our children to death for the sake of convenience happens in a well-built building with nice drywall, nice paint, doesn't make it any less evil. Do you understand? We live in a very dark society. A very dark society. And you, you may do what a lot of people do, right? We shut the garage door and maybe you turn Netflix on and you do your thing and you don't see it all. But we live in a dark society. That's why I call this sermon as in the days of Noah. Because Jesus said something in Matthew 22 through 24. Turn in your Bibles there. This is how we're going to close. You see, God empowers us to invite others into the family. If you're taking notes, I don't have time to go there, but just write down 1 Peter 2. 1 Peter 2, verse 4, and you can read that later. God talks about preserving Noah because of his faith. But turn to Matthew 22, and I want you to realize, again, God empowers us to invite others into his family. And media team, we're going to go all the way, we're going to skip all the way to page 13. I know I took out two or three pages there. Guys, it's just like the days of Noah. As you're turning there, I want to read one passage from Isaiah because I want you to realize how kind God is. I want you to realize this. Please please don't hear a sermon like this and be like, man, God's an angry God. No, 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 no. Don't hear the story wrong. God is so loving and compassionate. Listen to this. This is Isaiah. Just as you're turning to Matthew, I want to read this to you. 
Isaiah 54, this is like the days of Noah. As I swore that the waters of Noah would, shall no more go over the earth, so I have sworn that I will not be angry with you. I will not rebuke you. For the mountains may depart and the hills may be removed, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. My covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Do you realize how kind God has been towards you? How many have had God give you two, three chances, four chances, ten chances? Come on. Bob, I know you've had at least a hundred. No, I'm just kidding. I'm so thankful for the grace of God. I'm so thankful for that rainbow, that sign of his covenant where that says, although you've messed up and you messed up again and again and again, I'm not going to wipe you out. But he says, I am coming back again. I'm coming back for people who will receive him. So look at this. Just like Noah used a wooden ark to save his family, Jesus used this wooden cross to save his family. Just like sinful people, right, were ruining societies worldwide, all of them were wiped out. God destroyed all of your sins and all of your enemies on the cross of Jesus Christ. All you have to do is confess Jesus. 1 John 1, 7 through 10, the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Let me pause for a minute. If you say, well, Pastor Jordan, you don't realize I'm really a pretty good person. Well, number one, you just lied, right? Right? If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, I love this. He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, the world as in the days of Noah was telling Noah, well, we don't need saving. We're not sinful. And I use this passage to make sure you understand that all of us, everybody put your hand on your heart. All of us do this at times. Come on, all of us do this at times. We think we're in the good people group. I want you to turn to this, this passage in Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Verse 36, Matthew 24, verse 36. Concerning that day, Jesus says, that day and hour that no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage until the day of Noah when he entered the ark. They were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. I know this is the passage that, uh, that my dad and uh, mom heard when they received Christ. Listen to this. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore, stay awake. That sounds like Cheryl's word, huh? Stay awake. For you do not know what day the Lord is coming. I personally believe we are in the days of Noah. Think about it. Just like in the days of Noah, people are doing whatever they want. Causing hurt and violence. Getting revenge for revenge. Just like in, day, in the days of Noah, we have people calling evil good. We have things that are very evil that people are saying, no, you're not loving if you don't approve it. We're in the days of Noah. 
guys, where, where transgenders are reading, transgender men are reading children's books in bookstores across the U.S., not just one, across the U.S., to children about sexual fluidity. That's called the days of Noah. Where perversion, where violence, right, is rampant. We're in the days of Noah where everybody puts themselves in the good people group. And as long as you can find someone who's not as good as you, you're in the good people group. Are you getting it? Right? But I want to close with what Jesus says, right? Two men are in a field. One will be taken. One will be left. Just like in Noah's days, we have people who believe they are moral by their own standard. Who will be quick to judge and remove anyone who doesn't meet their standard. But unwilling to be held to their own standard. And just like in Noah's day, he preached for 120 years begging people to repent. The same is true today. Preachers like me will stand in pulpits like this. In thousands of churches, think about it right now, thousands of churches, maybe even millions of churches around the world, and there will only be a few that will repent. Why? Just as in the days of Noah, people will be eating and drinking and marrying and going about their business. They'll hear a sermon like this, be far from God and say, well, you know, I've got a party to go to later. Come on, get this over with. While deep, in, deep inside, they're feeling convicted, but they're doing their very best to ignore it. Right? Just as in the days of Noah. It seemed almost foolish to trust the message. Just like the days of Noah, it seemed foolish to trust the message. Get into an ark, a boat. It's not raining. Everybody say, drought. Say it as sarcastic as you can. Drought. Say it like my teenager, drought. Come on, do it like those kids that are between 12 and 13, drought. I'll know if she's in here. Has, does anybody have like a, a child between 11 and 38? And they walk around like this. What do you mean I can't watch the show? I'm like, are your knees collapsing? What's happening? <laughs> Were you hit with a blow dart? Like I, <laughs> attitude. And some of you got that same attitude. I'm going to segue that right back into my sermon. Right? Just like in Noah's day, God wrapped it all up with water and he started over. Listen to this. I've been reading the Bible long enough to know God's going to wrap it all up again. Revelation says with fire. You say, what? Yes. Daniel 7, Revelation, Matthew 22 through 24, read it. And who will be saved? Those who trusted the message that sounds foolish. Trust in a wooden cross. Trust in a guy who is perceived to be a criminal, who died between two criminals on a Roman cross, executed over 2,000 years ago. Trust in him. That sounds foolish to those who are not believing, but to us who believe, we are being made alive, Paul says, right? 
It sounds foolish. So if you're here today and you think, Pastor Jordan, that's, cr that's crazy that God would just wipe out mankind. Listen, God takes sin seriously. Why? God loves you. And he is sinless. So for you to be with him, you have to be sinless. You say, that's not possible. It is possible. Jesus makes you sinless. Jesus gives you his righteousness, right? Jesus says, listen, you can't make, you can't fix this on your own. I'm going to come fix it for you. I'm going to come fix it for you. Will you bow your heads? If you're hearing a sermon like this today and you say, well, oh, man, I do. I, I have sins in my life that if I, if I were found out, if my thoughts were recorded, if my conversations were recorded and aired all over the internet, if my habits were put on a billboard on Route 11, Pastor Jordan, I would be ashamed. Is that, if that's you, you have sin in your heart and you say, Pastor Jordan, I have got to repent. I've got to get right with God and I need to own it. I need to own it. If that's you, would you raise your hand? We've had 12 people come to Christ this year. We have a prayer that 25 people will come to Christ. And this can be a rededication too. Come on, raise your hand. Yeah, I see three people. Four people. Thank you, Lord. If you know you've been into some sin habits and you've been ignoring the voice of God, you've been ignoring the warning, God today says, get in the boat. Admit your need to be saved. Admit your need for salvation. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray this all together for those that are online and those that are in person right now. I want you to pray this with me all together. Dear Father, forgive me for my sin. You love me, so you tell me what's keeping me from you. Father, forgive me of every mistake, every failure, every lust, every pride of my heart. Every time I pushed others down to make me look better, forgive me. Wash me clean. Accept me as your child. And for some of you, you're saying this, I know, for a second time, but just say it again. Lord, adopt me again. I want to be your child, and I want to make you proud. I just want you to keep your eyes bowed, and, or your, your eyes closed, your head bowed, and we're just going to, I want to raise this song for a minute and maybe sing it to him if you know it. We're going to ask God to forgive us. Father, forgive me if you know this song. God, we know that you love us. That's why you speak to us. Sit again. Say, forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. I ignore the truth. You love me, so you tell me what's keeping me from. Say, I don't want this anymore. I don't want this anymore. 
I don't want this. Give it all to Jesus right now. Give it all to Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for coming and for dying in our place. Father, for giving your all by giving your son. By making your love so real. Jesus, we know you paid an incredible price for us to be saved. Jesus, you died a horrific death so we would be saved. Thank you. Can you just say thank you? We love you. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, let's stand up. Instead of me blessing you today, I want to do something kind of different. I want you to go turn. I want you to go find someone. Uh, two people and bless them very intentionally. Now, wait, before you do it, I don't just mean bless you and you're like, oh, I didn't sneeze, you know, like just like, like really, like really bless them, okay? Like, like look them in the eyes and I want you to give them a specific blessing. You say, I don't know what to say. Just ask God for something. I bless you with great health. I bless you with an answer to that big prayer. Whatever, whatever you feel like the Holy Spirit puts in your heart, okay? Find two people and go bless them on your way up.